so, like I said on the first episode, I would be joined by my fiance, Charis. And today we want to open up a conversation around identity and how, you know, most of our lives we're, we're trying to be someone that we believe is kind of more lovable. So we're, we just want to open up a conversation about that. So what are your thoughts on identity or, or where have you kind of struggled in the past or kind of hold some resentment around in regards to your identity? Um, I think that obviously this is something I think everyone has and anyone that says that they don't um, is lying. Um, and I can think of so many uh, stories, so many situations. And I think especially now, this is something that I'm actually going through a lot in my own therapy sessions and just figuring out my identity and, and things that I like and um, really rewriting the narrative that I've um, had ingrained in me for, for a long time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's such a broad kind of question, like, where do you, where do you start kind mm. of thing? Um, should, we, should we start at the beginning? Should we start in childhood? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's, um yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I think the, like, the childhood kind of, um, what's the word, like the, that, where, that's where it kind of originates in, in when you're a child, where you're like a sponge, you just absorb everything that everyone says. Um, you know, some children, they don't care, they don't believe it, but and it's a passing thought. But, you know, a lot of the time you do absorb a lot. And um, I know for me growing up, like I had, I was compared a lot to my two sisters, we were all very, a close in age very very close in age and they were a lot of things that I weren't they were very girly I definitely weren't um they were quite bright academically you know those those people that just never tried and you were so jealous of they that was them that was not me um and yeah so I think all of those those things in themselves are are very difficult and I as a as a child as I said before like my sisters were very girly and I weren't um, there would be a lot of, you know, seemingly harmless commentary um, about, you know, how much of a tomboy I was because I was being compared to them, not just, I wasn't being, um, I know it was malicious, but I wasn't being seen individually. Would I have been labelled that if I'd been seen individually and I didn't have two sisters close in age that were complete opposites to me? I don't know, but yeah. um, I, you know, I didn't really like wearing dresses. I weren't really a sandals kind of girl. Like, I would wear you know, my Converse trainers, whatever, throughout the whole summer. Um, you know, it's just sweaty, horrible feet. Yep, that's <laughs> me. Um, and I, I loved doing all the physical things. I loved all the the bike riding and the um, tree climbing. I did do these things with my sisters, but I loved all of that activity-based stuff more than they did. Um, and that's what I always wanted to do. And that was like, oh, you know. And it was all the commentary about, like, how much of a tomboy I was. And as I say, I do think it is... A lot, a lot of that it was down to comparison mm. because I always had two people. I was always in the middle of two people. I'm a middle child. Um, and especially two people that were quite similar and I was quite opposite. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, I think... I think the truth is that, you know, parents kind of unconsciously project what they believe you should be you know on onto their children 
when you know they're kind of raising them and i i don't say that in a way to blame parents you know because to some extent we've all kind of been um shitted on and you know told what makes us good and how we should show up in the world and who we should be but i think you're right what what this does is it it disables us from being able to express our own individuality and i think as a result of that we're constantly in this kind of comparison mentality of well maybe i should be more like them or you know maybe there is something wrong with me maybe i should be more like that and because of that we feel so confused in who we actually are and we're always looking for kind of reassurance and validation from everyone that we're you know showing up as we should be showing up quote unquote rather than you know just being kind of self-assured in who we actually are and for me you know i i've struggled and to some to some degree do still struggle with my identity as a child you know growing up as a, a, Je a jehovah's witness a lot of my identity was based around being good and that meant that you know the majority of my just humanness was shamed because it was ungodly and you know some of the thoughts and the desires and fantasies that i was having was put in my mind by satan and so i kind of created an identity to try and show up in the world as someone that i thought was lovable not not just by people but by god and as a result of that i've i've went through the majority of my life hiding and i think a lot of us do this yeah we go we go through our lives hiding i do think i do just want to say like i'm not obviously um, everyone's circumstance is different and i do obviously especially in terms of religion that's so different that's not i mean a direct um commentary from your parents but i do you know i do want to say i do think that um parents they i think having a child as as everyone knows is a massive responsibility and, and i don't think parents even realize um all the times the things that they're actually saying yeah. and how absorbed the things they're actually saying actually are mm. um or, or doing and i was actually having a conversation about this with my my counselor and she said that she um actually cringes sometimes at the things that her the father of her children says to one of her children mm. she think she said to me she was like oh my god i just think don't say that like they're taking that in right That's now you don't realize yeah yeah um and because it is and i don't i don't think parents you know are malicious in that respect i don't no. think they are um i definitely you know i don't think that my my parents were um and i think the same probably you know and not the same but like similar in terms of religion obviously a lot of the the things that you feel and um stuff you know correct me if i'm wrong obviously came from you know the elders and everything in that religion however unconsciously your parents making you a part of that religion yeah they never did it out of maliciousness. They never did it out of spite or whatever. Like no. they, but but I think it's probably it's also hard. I think for parents to, you know, then when you transform to an adult, it's hard for parents to actually accept they're they're well. And I'm not saying that they're bad at all, but just accept that 
whatever they did or said, whether they meant it or not, mm. it, it's carried. Um, and it's just about, it's about raising awareness as well. Like, I'm not saying you know your parents now are, you know, your mum's having yeah. a baby now. But mm-hmm. it's just, it's not even about um, calling people out or saying, oh, you made me feel like this or whatever. It is about raising that awareness, especially for, you know, so that message can actually be spread, especially for people mm. who are becoming new mums and things like that. Uh, and dads, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Parents. Yeah. Um, because it is so important, everything that you actually say, it's kind of scary in the respect that I think, you know, we have our children. I think I'll I'll be thinking sometimes, I might say something and I know I'll catch myself and think, oh God, what did I just say that yeah. for? Um, and I can imagine it's very hard. And yeah, so I, I do just want to mention here, this isn't about bashing parents. It's just, no. it's, it's just spreading that message with regards to children. I, I think, you know, society and, you know, a lot of the systems out there just fail us as human beings. You know, if you look at, um, you know, all the adverts you see on TV, they're, they're all about, you know, buy this and, you know, they, they kind of show you this like utopian lifestyle that you will live when you have this car or, you know, you, you get this item of clothing and, you know, the truth of it is, it's, you know, we're not taught how to actually love ourselves for who we actually are. And as a result of that, you know, like you were saying about parents, because they don't actually love and accept themselves fully, they're also in the mindset of, well, I need to be, you know, so-and-so, and I need to show up in this way rather than the way that I am currently showing up. And they just just project that onto their children. And, and that message continuously gets programmed into the next generation and the next generation until it doesn't. And until, you know, someone in that family actually takes a stand and says, like, no, this isn't going to go any further. Like, I am going to do this work. And as uncomfortable as it is, you almost do feel like, and I'm, I'm speaking person here, you almost do feel like kind of like a bit of, an outcast in in your own family because you're the one that's really kind of breaking like these these generational patterns and it's it's clearly triggering for you know our families because in because of the the way that they're seeing themselves they take that personally as if to say like what is wrong with me but you know that that's not what we're talking about here we're, we're talking about being able to just be fully expressed individuals and and navigate our own lives in in a way that feels deeply aligned to who we actually are rather than who we feel like we should be mm. it's interesting you say that actually because that's what i'm actually going to say is that in terms of alignment when we um we may not even consciously realize but when we um <clears throat> aren't um living within our identity and the things that we actually like whether we even are aware that we like those things because you know either you express them or mm. um you know you're living in shame so you, you you're aware but you're looking the other way or whatever you feel so out of alignment and that shows up not just in your identity that shows up in every aspect of your life that that yeah. makes you um you know stay in the job that you don't like it makes you um you know have weak boundaries in the relationship that you you don't agree things that you don't agree with um you know it 
it causes a lot of it well i say a lot of it your identity is your is your whole life it's you yeah. and the only person that actually has to live with you the other day is you so um and i don't think people often realize that your identity actually is interlinked with everything absolutely yeah. everything um, well, it's it's like the saying goes like how you do one thing is how you do everything because it's, mm-hmm. it's so true you know even now like funnily enough even now just doing this podcast and you know just speaking together and, and creating like a, a podcast together part of me still feels like who am i to create a podcast like part of me still believes like who am i to you know be a successful coach and you know share this message that i'm so passionate about like who am I to do all these things and who am I to create the, you know this dream life and I, I think so, so many of us feel that same way like you know, who am I to do this or who am I to do that and because of those thoughts we end up staying in an identity that actually isn't even us mm-hmm. you know we we stay in an identity that you know it's just kind of mirrored back to us by our, our friends, our family, our colleagues, and it's it's safe. It's it's kind of comfortably uncomfortable. Like we know we're uncomfortable in our jobs and in our relationships and in certain things, but we're okay with that. Yeah, we're okay with that because we know that everyone else is feeling the same way. <laughs> yeah. And it, it it's it, this is why it's so triggering to people when you know someone will really like fully express themselves. Like for instance. You know, if someone like turns up in this like kind of wacky outfit and people are like so triggered by it and mm-hmm. you know they take the piss and judge and it's it's because deep down we relate to that part in them that feels fully expressed and we feel jealous that we can't express ourselves in the way that they're expressing themselves. Yeah. And I think with that I just want to say that I know a lot of people um will will take that as oh my god, like you know they've turned up in that outfit how can you say that i relate to that i so don't uh, and i think people misinterpret that at all, uh, um, a lot in the respect that what's not being said is that you're jealous because you want to turn up in the outfit but what is being said is actually your resentment is is towards the thing in you the individual thing in mm. you that you can't express not that yeah. you yeah, can't yeah. wear an outfit like that but i think a lot of people will go will immediately they'll go into um self-defense mode mm-hmm. and they'll shun it and they'll go uh no yeah you don't know me like i don't want to wear that yeah you, you may not want to wear that but you want to do something else that you're mad about because they're doing that well the, the truth is this comes down to triggers and you know our triggers are there for us they're, they're showing us a part of ourselves that we either need to love more or learn to express more mm-hmm. and you know expressing whatever that part is inside us means allowing first of all ourselves to see that part and and so often you know there are parts of our, our identity that we either cringe at or actually fearful of because you know we have so many beliefs about how we should and how, how we shouldn't be and when we reject parts of ourselves instantly it stops us from being able to express those parts of ourselves and that that lack of self-expression is what's making us feel unfulfilled in our lives yeah because there's a huge part of us that feels unexpressed Mm. and that like unfulfillment it it quickly transpires to anger and resentment and annoyance and irritability and i know that i feel that a lot Mm. (laughs) so slightly inconvenienced is me i'm mad about it i've knocked a bowl over 
pure mad about it. Um, and yeah, it quickly, you know, moves along the, the scale of emotions. And, and then you look back and you think, God, like, why, why? And it all comes down to something like identity because you're unfulfilled, you're un, um, you're not satisfied, you're, mm-hmm. and you're mad about it. You're completely mm-hmm. mad about it. Um, and I don't know, I don't, I don't want to just, um, you know, move on if you're not ready to move on, but I think was, um, also, I'd, I'd like to hear like your views, your stories, I suppose. Um, in terms of romantic relationships, I know that myself, and I know that a lot of people probably have done or do or still are um, doing this, where you may listen to something that your partner says or something that someone, like someone you like, fancy, whatever, they say that they find attractive in your gender or they, they whether that's physically or personally, like personality wise. Um, that you then try and mould to, even though you know it's not you. And I think we've all done it. Yeah. Um, I definitely think we've all done it. So yeah, I think like, yeah, I'd just like to hear like your kind of stories, if you have any stories around that. Well, growing up, and I was very, very consciously aware that I was doing this, but growing up, I lacked a lot of confidence. And I can remember being in school and, and recognising that the boys that got the female attention that I wanted were showing up in very similar ways. Like they were confident, sometimes, you know, arrogant. They were, you know, acting as if nothing bothered them. And they would also have this kind of like, you know, chest puffed out and they had like a very specific walk as well. And I can remember trying to mimic some of these boys, I can even remember their names, but I won't share them. I, I can remember trying to mimic certain traits of, of these boys because I thought that maybe if I became more like them, that these girls would find me attractive. And actually, I can remember, and this is funny, but I can remember walking, I, I left my house with, there was a, a couple of girls and a couple of mates. And one girl said to me, why are you walking like that? And it was because I'd changed how I walked because there, there was a lad in school that was really popular and he was walking like that. And it's, it's funny how I took on, oh, it's got to be something to do with how he's walking. And, the, you know, and I, I think you're right. I, I think we all kind of try to adopt certain traits that we believe if we become more like them, then we'll be more loved or accepted or fancied or, or whatever it is. That's so funny, man. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but... What did you say back to that? Yeah. Like, someone's like, basically, why are you walking like that? What, do you, what, do you even, what did you say back to that? I, I, first of all, I felt really embarrassed, but I, I, kind, of, I kind of brushed it off as if to say, like, this is how I walk, when clearly it wasn't how I walk. I haven't been walking like that for 14 years previously, so... I wonder, I wish I could see that. I wonder how unnatural it actually mm. looked when you thought it looked like running around. I wonder if you thought it looked really cool but it actually looked really rigid. It's funny that memories come back to you when you just start speaking out, isn't it? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, I actually, um, I've got a story that really stands out for me in terms of like what my, my partner liked and things like that. And uh, I'll never forget it. Um, so, you know, some person, if you ever listen, you're going to know as well because we argued about it so many times. And I look back now and I just think that's ridiculous. But then, um, as I progressed in my life, I went back and did the same thing. So let's take it, let's take it from the top, basically. <laughs> so I was in this relationship and I was um, 
16, I was in this relationship when I was 16 to 18. And um, I remember like we used to go shopping all the time, like clothes shopping and stuff like that. And he would always point out things that he like liked. So I was 16, I was, um, I had a little job, but I was at college and whatever, and he was a bit older than me. And um, anyway, so he was like, oh, we'll go shopping and I would like treats and stuff. And he always point out these things that he liked, like blouses and stuff. And this stuff that I just, was not me, I just hated it, you know. Um, I just hated it. Like I was, as I said earlier, I wasn't a dress kind of girl. I wasn't like a really girly kind of girl. Like I, I just feminine but not not like that not like you know that level of, of feminine um and yeah and he kept like pointing out all these things and he'd buy me all these like tops and like blouse type material tops and I I hated them and we used to argue about it all the time because he would buy them for me and when I said I didn't want, want them or like them and I would never wear them or I would just wear them when I was with him it felt so uncomfortable and I also remember like he used to um I used to say how much I love Converse like I love Converse I've got like eight or nine pairs and um don't get me wrong I like Vans as well and he but I love Converse more and I said this and then every time it would come around to anniversaries or Christmas or birthdays, whatever, he would always buy me bands and not Converse because he always said, like, Converse made my feet look too long, big, or mm-hmm. slim and long. Like, because Converse are, like, slim and long shoes, but long, but you know what I mean? And um, it just caused so many arguments. And for a, for a time, I did try and wear these blouses and, like, I wore my bands for a long time. Like, I wouldn't wear my Converse when I was with him. Um, and my Converse, the things I loved, I still love them now. And... I remember coming out of that relationship and I thought, oh, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to do that again. That's ridiculous. And that comment alone was ridiculous because when you do get into a relationship, especially when you get into a new relationship as well, you do listen to the things that that person says that you're with. And I've done it in our relationship right in the beginning. Um, And I would wear things in our relationship in the beginning that, like, I I remember, like, um, you know, we'd have one flyaway conversation about, you know, like the feminine look and, and all of that and then I think oh, well, I'm gonna go away and dress a bit more feminine <laughs> just with my converse <laughs> not my bands um and I remember doing it and I don't remember like I I do think I look nice like I think yeah I look nice but it wasn't me it wasn't my identity it wasn't what I wanted to wear yeah. um and I think you know we've been knocking around now <laughs> for three and a half years and it's only probably within the last year and a half, I think, that actually, I think since moving away, that mm. I thought, fuck it, like... You're stepping into the Yeah, I want to, you know, I'm definitely stepping into, like, that independence and that, that adulthood, especially moving out. Um, but now it's just, you know, I appreciate the things that you like and I listen. Um, but I think what I recognise and I'm, I'm becoming more um, in tune with is that that's okay, he likes that, but that doesn't mean I'm going to wear it. Yeah, that... He, for you, see, I'm going to wear whatever I want for me. Here's the thing, you know, we all have our own individual preferences, but trying to push your preferences onto your partner and and almost tell them what to wear is clearly toxic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, and I've probably done this in the past and, you know, I'm, I'm sure many other people do it. You almost kind of, like say you start dating someone or whatever, you have this like ideal of what you want this person to be. And you fall in love with the ideal rather than the person in front of you. I think that's why a lot of relationships as well, they, they fail. Yeah. I, I think when you become completely tunnel vision to that ideal, yeah. um, you do start becoming irritable. You're like, why isn't this person the person I thought they were? And it's like the person, yeah, exactly, the person you thought they were. Yeah, you, that person, person doesn't even exist. Sword, yeah, yeah. You, you've created that person in your mind. Mm-hmm. That person doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And it, it's the same as 
And yeah, I say this to say, it's, it's similar to, you know, when you're with someone and you can really see, like, their potential and, you know, really see how absolutely amazing they could be. And you, you almost love their potential more than you love them. Mm-hmm. That's also dangerous. It's like parent and child. Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's learning to actually love who is in front of you. And first of all, this starts with yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, otherwise, you know, if you constantly set goals and, you know, try and achieve things as a way to almost, like, prove to yourself that you're lovable rather than actually loving who you are and then going after things because you know you're worthy of them already, if you're doing it as a way to kind of prove that you're you're lovable, you'll never be able to prove it. The same as holding on to the potential or the ideal of, the, you know, your partner or someone that you're dating. They will feel that the same way that you feel that when, you know, you're, you're basically living out of a belief that you're already unworthy for who you are. So I, I think what we need to be able to do is just be honest with ourselves and rather than create this kind of fairy tale in our mind, like just actually be grounded and recognise what is going on in this present moment and and just be honest with ourselves about, about that. And, you know, something I, I also want to talk about is, you know, our identities are fluid. They're, they're not, it's not fixed. It's not like this is who you are. I'm going to be me because it's it's always like ever evolving, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Like we never truly know who we are. So the way to learn who we are is to just experience things. Yeah. Rather than telling ourselves, I'm not someone that does that, you know, that, that isn't me. Like until you try, how do you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think you need to, you know, experience everything once. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And I do, I do think, um, I, I kind of had that, you know, I, I just want to um, talk about or touch on, um, I don't know how, no, yeah, basically, like, when we, I think I kind of had that um, narrative, I think, to, I've always had it, but I think especially when we go into a relationship, because, you know, like, I always please you, obviously, <laughs> I always <laughs> be someone else, um, but I don't think it's about being someone else in that respect, like, as you say, in identity, you need to experience everything, like, once, and I think sexually, when we got into our relationship, like, or when, well, not before we got into our relationship, but when we were, like, seeing each other and sleeping together, whatever, um, I'd had the most wild time with you that I ever had done with anyone. Um, and I went into that, um, obviously it wasn't a relationship at the time, but that, whatever it was, <laughs> what was it? Sleeping together. Um, <laughs> I want to put something better than that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I went into that with the, well, I'm just going to try everything everything once. Um, yeah. And at the end of the day as well, it just, it, it's funny because I think a lot of people, especially in terms of like one night stands and things like that, people are way more willing to show themselves there than they are in a committed relationship and I think that kind of um I'm not saying obviously we're perfect in that sense but I think that us beginning that way um there was a lot of freedom um in that um but then yeah when you do get into a relationship you do those feelings or whatever you then you stop and you're like I don't want to I don't want to what if they think I'm like weird what if they think this this, and this but the, the matter of fact is that person well the majority of the time um i'm not speaking for every relationship but um that person especially you like to think three and a half years down the line that person loves you wholeheartedly so actually and everything that you think is massive whether it's sexually or whatever it is 
your partner's just gonna it's thinking oh my god why aren't they sharing this with me i know i thought why aren't they sharing this with me like i'm done in why aren't they sharing this yet when they do share it when they're ready you then sit back in your own brain you're like oh because you've made it something massive yeah i i I think you know you're right the the stuff that that feels heavy to us to someone that loves us is nowhere near as heavy as what it is to us no it may like sometimes it may come as a complete shock um but shock isn't bad shock is literally shock actually doesn't hold any weight it's not good or bad it's just it's a split second you you just had no awareness that that's what they was going to say or that was what was going to happen it's like you know, when you're in a car crash, you don't expect you to be in a car crash when you leave your house. Yeah. You're in the car crash and then you're in complete shock. Um, you know, I mean, to be fair, a car crash actually is not a very good thing. But <laughs> <laughs> some people might think it's a bad thing. It depends how you perceive life and yeah. if you look for lessons. Up yeah. to you. How do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> maybe that analogy wasn't quite correct. Well, may, this is going off topic, but maybe the car crash was actually saving you from something far worse. Yes, yes. I think it's down to perception. And, yeah. you know, these bad things, air quotation marks, mm. that happen, they, I, I don't believe anymore. I used to, but I don't believe that bad things actually happen to us anymore. Um, you know, they happen for us. And I don't yeah. think they're even bad. I think they are just they're just paving the way yeah um and i think when you can i don't always have that perception you know like i don't want to literally i don't want people to think that i'm like god preaching to the choir uh i actually do get very irritable sometimes but when you your life is so i think we're completely off topic but your life is so um much more freeing yeah. when you accept that and you accept that perception and you can and i'm not saying brush away your emotions or anything like that feel them first and then you know have that perception. Uh, I think that's completely off topic. No, no, it, it, it does all fit in. And, you know, I, I think that as human beings, it's it's fairly easy for us to accept the parts of ourselves that we can see that other people accept in themselves. But it's so much harder accepting the parts in ourselves that we judge other people for. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and I'm going to relate this to sex because sex is kind of quite heavy in, in my identity, I suppose, or sexuality, or, or has been. And, you know, perversions, you know, are, are kind of sexual like fantasies and, and kinks or desires or whatever you want to call them. You know, there, there's so much shame and guilt attached to those things that actually, you know, especially what you were saying, if we actually allowed ourselves to open up to people that actually loved us, we would recognise that, first of all, they're nowhere near as heavy as what we thought they were. Mm -hmm. And second of all, hopefully if your partner is also willing to open up, which I'm sure they would be if you you can open up to this degree, when you open up about that stuff, it also gives your partner permission to be able to say, well, actually, I think about X, Y, and Z. Yes. And, and then you can have a conversation around it and it not to, to be like this huge, heavy thing. Now, I'm by no means saying it's easy because this is stuff that I've struggled with for the majority of my life. But I think it's just about opening up a conversation. And, you know, this is what we're trying to do, just bring awareness to these parts of our identities that every human being struggles with and you know if we could just open up these conversations 
there wouldn't need to be so much stigma attached to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do think there's been actually moments in our relationship that, you know, these conversations have been opened up. And I remember, I remember sitting in a, like a cafe's like tea room years ago, I think before we was even like committed, I think. And I remember saying to you, like speaking about like, um, in terms of masturbation and things like that, and saying and speaking about, um, you know, this weird like kind of sense of, of upset and like yeah. shame and stuff afterwards. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know specifically why I shared it with you. I just, you know, I just want to talk about it because I think yeah. that that happened that morning, and then I was, you know, borderline crying <laughs> and I couldn't understand why. So I just, yeah. I spoke to you about it, and I remember speaking to you about it, and then you had said to me, "Do you know what? Like, I, I know how you feel. Like, mm. I completely get. I like, I can't remember the specific words you used. You know, three years ago, but, but basically, I, I felt the same. Yeah, way. and it was, and to me, it was so like, it was so weird. It was like. Mm. Oh my god, I'm oh, a creep. Oh, like, I am human. <laughs> yeah, um, and and that's the thing. I think even even still now, like we're still learning, and we're you know we're we're, we're like three and a half years down the line. Um, but you know, like in terms of like your birthday, we went away from Manchester for your birthday, and you know we had a great time. <laughs> wink, wink. Um, and you know there was an avenue there that was. That, that has taken me a long time to um, do, say, whatever, yes. um, bedroom-wise, and you quickly joined in, um, and it was it was great. Like yeah. it was it was a lot of fun, um, and it was exciting, and it was new, and it was fresh, mm-hmm. and it it's um, it's crazy how it's taken three and a half years to do that. Yeah. Um, well, this just goes to show how much shame and you know, how much fear we have around. You know, all human beings, how much fear we have around being rejected. Well, yeah, because you think, oh my... And, and, and sometimes I do think as well, like, I don't I don't know if I... I think it is a lot, like, we're, fear, we're fearful around being rejected from our partners, but actually I think a lot of it is the fear of rejecting ourselves as, you know, that it always comes back to, because when I hadn't been able to do that thing that we then did in Manchester mm. for all that time. All I was thinking about was, to be fair, I think I wasn't asked what you would think. I was care I cared about what I would think. It's your own embarrassment. Once I, yeah, it's yeah. your as you say, it's your embarrassment. Um and I remember in my head we were in we were in that moment and in my head and I was like, just just say it, just say it. Mm. And and then it was just really impulsive and I just said it. Mm. And I thought, please respond to me because <laughs> and then in that moment it then was about Please respond to me because I need to be validated yeah. now because I'm embarrassed for me. Yeah. I don't care what you're thinking, but please actually respond. Um, you know, and I, I wonder how if I wonder, you know, if that would have been different um, if you didn't. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't, of course, love you any less. I yeah. probably wouldn't love me a bit less. I'm probably thinking, God. <laughs> but then again, um, I would have spoken to you about it afterwards. I'm a chatter. I like chatting. Yeah, and uh, you know. It's funny because as human beings, and I'm, I'm not saying that this is right or wrong, maybe not the healthiest, but we are always looking to our partners and to our friends and to our families and, you know, for that kind of validation that we are enough. Mm-hmm. That, that's all we want to know. Am I enough? And the only one that can ever really answer that is ourselves. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, it doesn't feel like it carries enough weight. Like, it's so silly. It's stupid because logically, you know, sat here now next to you, I know I am enough. Mm-hmm. But there are moments in my life and, you know, day-to-day life and, you know, creating this podcast and 
you know, becoming a coach and, and just different other things in my life where I've doubted whether I'm enough. No, I, I want to be able to, you know, put on speaking events and, and open up these types of conversation on stage. And we've spoke about doing stuff like that. And I still judge like, but why would anyone want to listen to me? You know, I, I'm, you know, who am I? I'm not good enough. Mm. But, but wouldn't they? Yeah. And the, the thing is, like, everyone has to start somewhere. You know, th these people that I look up to, I'm sure they felt exactly the same way. And this isn't about kind of eradicating those parts of us that, you know, doubt ourselves and feel like we're not good enough. It's not about getting rid of those parts. It's about learning to accept those parts and you, you know, like your adult self, your logical self, reassuring those parts of you mm -hmm. that you are good enough and you can put yourself out there and you are safe and I am there for you, for us. Yeah. I do think as well, I just want to say, like, um, as you say that, I think, especially this is a, well, a message to anyone in any age, but especially I think to people that are in their 20s and coming from, you know, 18, 19, moving out and, you know, going to uni and leaving uni and all this stuff and actually coming out of that, that family home and creating that independence is actually recognising that, because this is a big part of your identity as well. Like, I'm an adult, and it took me a while, uh, even after moving out, that to recognise that I'm an adult. I don't need to, you know, I, I value my mum's my opinions. I speak to her about everything all the time, but I don't need it anymore like I did. And it is about, you know, this is um, in terms of adulthood or going into adulthood um, or anything that you like and enjoy, it is about actually saying, do you know what, fuck it, I'm an adult. Yeah. I am an adult. Um, if I'm going to leave that job because I hate it, mm. sure, my mum might have an opinion. I don't live with her anymore, so I can I can leave that job and worry about the money later. Yeah, um, and recognise it's exactly that, an opinion. Yeah, exactly. And and your opinion is carries just as much weight as anyone else's, if not more. Yeah, exactly. And I, I and the thing is as well, like I just I've been telling like quite a few people about this. I'm so excited, and I'm going to tell you guys. Um, I basically made the decision the other day that I'm going to get a skateboard. Yeah, I know what you think. You're too eighteen, Jarrett. You can get a skateboard. I am. I don't know how to ride a skateboard, but I'm getting one. And then I was thinking, oh god, I kept making jokes um, to my counselor as well. I kept saying, oh god, all the neighbours going to be like curtain switching when I'm trying to ride this skateboard, like a grown ass woman trying to ride, ride this skateboard. And I thought, fuck it, I'm an adult. Mm. Let them turn twitch when I'm wearing my helmet and my knee pads trying to ride a skateboard. Like, <laughs> I'm going to do it. I've set a challenge and I want to ride a skateboard. Well, realistically, and this is how our minds work, you know, you think that all the neighbours are going to be looking out, like, at you on your skateboard. They're not, not. going to give a fuck. Like, they're, 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 you know, in their own lives, you know, they're... They'll be cooking dinner or doing whatever they're doing in their lives. They couldn't give a fuck about what you were doing on your skateboard out in the... Exactly. You know, and it's funny how we use these thoughts as a way to keep ourselves locked in what we should be doing and yeah. who we should be. And I think it is about also, um, it's about changing that perception. If that's the thought that you have, and they are joking thoughts that I had, or I will have when I get on my skateboard, yeah. um, I will record my skateboard so everyone can see me on my skateboard. <laughs> um, but actually, do you know what? It's about shifting your perspective and thinking, do you know what? People might hurt on Twitch. They probably won't. But if they do, yeah. do you know what? They might actually thinking, oh, how nice. Yeah. Oh, how nice. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, grown-ass woman, but she's one skateboard or whatever. 
um, trying to learn to skateboard. Like, what's what's where's the judgment in trying to learn a new skill, a new passion, a new hobby? Like, where is the judgment? And if you have judgment, then that's because you're unfulfilled. That's and you lack yeah. areas of your identity that you you haven't you don't feel safe enough to be in or be a part of. Mm. Um, and and that's fine. That's fine because that is the same thing about me, and I'm okay with that. So. When I'm riding around with my knee pads on, <laughs> I won't be bothered. Like, honestly, for me, there's nothing more attractive than someone that wants to continuously learn who they are and put themselves out and try different things and you know experience life in a different way. And if we can get out of our own heads and stop judging ourselves for, you know, I'm going to look stupid or I'm going to look this way or I'm going to look that way, and we can just allow ourselves to be present with all those thoughts and those feelings, but do it anyway... We get to experience life in a completely different way. Oh yeah, it's it, it becomes so much more colourful. It's so much more vibrant and, and yeah. bright. Um, and and the thing is, you know, with, with my new skateboard that I haven't got yet, but I'm going to get, um, <laughs> is I actually have this. I think you know, I believe in a lot in like visualization and obviously like manifestation things like that. But um, I actually have this like little um, thing in my brain where I think, wow, imagine how like you know like badass is going to feel riding down the back of the promenade mm. on a summer evening confidently on my skateboard i'm going to think everyone's looking at me thinking wow what a bad bitch <laughs> um they're probably not they're probably just going to think about you riding the skateboard mm. but in me i know that i'm going to feel like the baddest bee out there yeah. um and as you say that that's that's uh confident and that's attractive and confidence as we all know is attractive um and yeah, what's more, what isn't more attractive than someone enjoying and confidently expressing whatever mm-hmm. it is? Like that's uplifting and that's inspiring. It and is I think inspiring. when people, when you shift your perspective to actually see that, you're gonna live a much better life than than you currently are. Yeah. By thinking, huh, oh my god, what the hell, well. Well, it, it, it's you know, it really shows us that. So your perspective of, you know, I'm, I'm going to be such a badass going down Blackpool Promenade and, you know, I'm feeling really confident. But before you get to that point, you have to be willing to... Well, my knee pads. Yeah, and potentially look stupid or potentially, you know, be judged. You you have to be willing to go through that part in order for you to get to the part where you're riding down Blackpool Promenade. Yes, and it's funny you say that because uh, my actual counsellor, she said to me, she said, oh, what about roller skates? And I said... The thing is, I thought about roller skates, but as quick as I thought about roller skates, I got rid of it because I know how to ride. I don't, you don't ride roller skates, you know. What I, mean? I know how to skate. Yeah, yeah. I know how to skate. Um, I don't want to learn. How, I, don't, I don't want to get roller skates. Yeah. Um, and it is about that that looking silly, which you don't look silly, but yeah. that going through that process to have that end result of feeling like a bad bee riding your skateboard down black promenade because you have to do the bit first yeah. that isn't. You know, you know, when you're falling off your skateboard four or five yeah. times, um, you know, on a random evening in March, yeah. that, you know, you're going to be feeling, I know I'm going to be frustrated, I know I'm going to be annoyed, and I know for a certain fact I can't ride a skateboard. But This is why I, like, I find it so attractive and it's, it's so inspiring to see someone that is committed to learning something because... As you say, you know how fucking frustrating it can be at times when it, it kind of doesn't click or you know, things aren't going how you want them to go. And so often in our lives, like we'll set a goal and we'll make the goal like the thing that we aim for. When actually the thing that we're, we should be aiming for is 
the person that we become along that journey. Yeah. Because realistically, it's not actually about you being on the skateboard going down the promenade. It's about the person that you've become mm -hmm. to be able to do that. Yeah, I think it's about like the perseverance and, and you know, all of the effort and, and challenge and stuff that you put in. And, you know, yeah. when you put in that effort and that challenge and you face those... Adversities. So, yeah, that you... The reward is far greater. You, you grow. Yeah, it's far greater. And that's why no one ever grew in comfortability. That's why people mm. stay in the same jobs they know about because they don't want to change in, in environment they don't want to meet yeah. new people and i i think i'm getting better but oh my gosh when we first met um i think you'll agree when we used to hang out with your friends i was most painfully shy i don't even want to say weird because that's not fair that would be me shaming her but i'm so painfully shy i couldn't speak to anyone yeah. i know when i started the job that i'm in in right now i couldn't speak to anyone in the office if there was more than me and one other person in there if there's three of us in there oh my gosh i'd forget how to actually speak um Whereas now I'm going into a new job. And, and here you are now talking on a podcast that could potentially, over time, reach a lot of people. I know. And, <laughs> and they'll get to go, they'll go on my profile and they think, I wonder how she's getting on with her skateboard. And they will. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I'm going to document much earlier for skateboard I am. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, and I was uncomfortable Um in my in that in the job I'm in now when I first started, I was very uncomfortable. Um, I'm gonna be uncomfortable when I start my new job in a couple of weeks, but I know in a couple of weeks I'm gonna be nowhere near as uncomfortable as I was over a year ago when I started the job I'm in now. I was so uncomfortable. Whereas now I know I have something to offer. Um uh, and I have that self-belief and that confidence, and that also comes with you know, stepping into my identity, stepping into the fact that I'm an adult, stepping into the things that I enjoy, the clothes I like wearing, the shoes I like wearing, like, you know. And, you know, a big part of this is deciding who you want to be. Because, yeah, you know, obviously you're someone now, but you can also decide to be someone that experiences life in a completely different way. Mm -hmm. And it, it's, it comes down to a choice. And... I think this is so, so important to recognise that our lives are an accumulation of the choices that we've made or not made, which is also still a choice. And to create an identity, we have to choose uncomfortable decisions. We have to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because otherwise we're, and this is something that my coach says, like, if you're not growing, you're dying. Which is true. Mm, that's hard. It, it, that's heavy. It, it, it's, it is heavy. But if you look at anything, you look at anything in nature, but if, if it's not like flourishing and, and blossoming and plants are you know, growing, if they're not, then they're dying and they're... They're watering. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's watering away. And it, that, that analogy hits so hard for me because the times in my life when I haven't put myself out there and... and put myself out of my comfort zone and, and done things that feel uncomfortable, make me feel kind of a little insecure or, or fearful. The times I haven't done that, my life is so boring. Yeah, it's, it, not, it's not awkward and uncomfortable. It is. It, everything feels so hard. Yeah, because it, it doesn't feel like you actually have a purpose. And I think as mm. human beings, we need that feeling of purpose. Mm -hmm. and, and we get to create what that is. You know, no, no one can tell us what that is. We get to choose that and you know that can evolve and change over time but just putting one foot in front of the other that, yeah. that's that's literally the key putting one foot in front of the other yeah i, I do you know i think about it I, would, I just want to say that i think your identity actually if you think about your identity in a puzzle 
So you mm. think about a puzzle and all the puzzle pieces. Um, your identity is the entire puzzle. And when you aren't living to your identity and the things that you like and the things that you don't like and the boundaries you want to set and the boundaries you don't set, when you're not living to your identity or if you're not even trying to work it out, your puzzle pieces, they feel awkward and they feel rigid and they don't fit. Yeah. They don't fit. And then the puzzle is never complete. And I don't think people... I don't know how many people actually do puzzles anymore, but, you know, when you do a puzzle and you can't find the bit that fits, it's annoying. You try to fit all these other bits and it, it, it doesn't work and there's no alignment and the colours are wrong and it just... And also other people will use that, because I like that analogy, other people looking at that puzzle will see that that picture isn't the whole. Yeah. And that they'll... So relating that to us as human, like, you know, individuals and human beings... People can see when we're acting out of alignment with our identity because it feels awkward, it feels uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know, and, and people can pick up on that. I, I say pe- some people can pick up on that. Yeah, and I think what's important, sorry, I was fighting, but when you say that as well, I think what then happens is, um, you know, people can see that, that you're not whole and you're not fitting together. And it's, I'm not saying, you know, you've got, I'm not saying fit in, obviously, yeah, I'm like saying with yourself. One, yeah. Um, but when people can see that, that's when it becomes, you know, like attracts like. Yeah. That's when you attract the same people in your life. And that's when people are like, oh, you know, why am I why am I in this relationship where I've been treated like this and blah, 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 blah. But are you living to your... In integrity with who you are. Yeah. Are, are you being honest? Are you being truthful? Because when you're whole, you'll attract other whole people because no one is going to look... No one that is whole, and this isn't a judgment thing, but no one that is whole is going to look at a broken puzzle yeah. and think, I need to fix that. Perfect. That's yeah. for me. Because yeah. the person that is whole has been through all that broken puzzle themselves and that awkwardness um, that, you know, isn't piecing together. And they aren't judging that person thinking they're unlovable. Of course they're not. They've got a lot of love and a lot of compassion. But what they're, they're knowing is... That I'm not right for that work. person because yeah, that person has to go through those processes, yeah. and that person that has their whole like puzzle together is going searching for someone that also has. Yeah. And I don't know if we always. I don't, I'm not saying that everyone has it together. I don't know if anyone out there actually has a whole puzzle. I don't know if they do, mm. but you know, the more that you work on your puzzle, someone out there is working on theirs exactly the same, yeah. and they. Oh, you're going to come together. Things will happen for you to be brought together. Exactly. And then you're going to continue to, like, us. Oh, oh. You're going to continue to piece your puzzles yeah. together alongside each other. Not for each other, um, but alongside each other, supporting each other, holding each other's hands as you're putting those pieces in place. Yeah. And that is... I think that's a beautiful analogy. Yeah, so do I. Off. I really like that. No, that's good. I know. <laughs> Genius. You know, a, a lot of us... You know, to, to kind of wrap this up, a, a lot of us create identities that we believe will enable us to get our needs met. What you know, whatever our kind of needs are that we don't feel like are, are being met, we'll, we'll create an identity around that so they do get met. But unfortunately, all that does is create a disconnection from who we actually are, and when our needs are being met when we're showing up as a version of us, it actually creates more fear and insecurities in who we actually are, which then cause us to continue hiding. And and we don't show up as who we actually are. So first of all, we have to learn to meet our own needs. 
And then as a result of that, we won't start showing up in, in our lives as a version of us to have our needs met by, you know, other people because we're already meeting them. So anything, anything extra on top of our needs being met is a bonus. Mm -hmm. and, and when we're acting out of a place of like abundance, when all our needs are already met, that's when, you know, we attract people and opportunities and things into our lives that feel deeply aligned and, and feel like rewards rather than when we're act acting out of a place of like desperation, trying to like get validated and you know reassured and accepted by anyone and everyone. That's when, as you say, we will attract people and, and things into our lives that also make us believe that we're unworthy. Well, exactly. You're gonna, you're gonna, um, if you portray a version of you that isn't actually your versions, um, should I say, you're just gonna be met with other people that are also portraying versions. Yeah. You're gonna be met with actually someone. You, you're just vulnerable, honestly. Yeah. If you think about it, when you're in your relationship and all you're portraying is, is versions of yourself, as is your partner, you're actually you, you're you've got four people in your relationship, yeah. or six, or eight, or twelve, whatever. You've got multiple people in your relationship, not just you two. Mm. Um. Yeah. And you're you're trying to prove that you're worthy by actually doing the exact opposite of what you need to be doing. Yeah. You're, you're trying to prove that you're worthy by showing a version of mm. you rather than who you are. I think that does, I think it, it comes down to scarcity. And I, think, I think it also comes down to people that often people don't want to put in the hard work. Who wants to put yeah. in the hard work? Then you just want, you want something right now. It's like you, you, you don't want to go to Canada deficit to live away. You want to yeah. take those diet pills. Like you want yeah. now. Like you want to drop eight pounds this week. Yeah, like, um you know, so and and that's what it is as well, is um a, a lot of that fear pushes people into the quick fixes because yeah. they they're scared to fail. They're, uh, and scared of rejection and all of those things, but it stops you when you aren't showing your identity fully, it stops you from being seen. It stops you from meeting those people, um, being presented to those opportunities. It really restricts um, your your growth and the life that you actually want. Um, so yeah, I, I just quickly want to touch on this. You know that that was one of the biggest reasons why I had to leave the fitness industry because a lot of it was based on, you know. People felt unworthy because they were holding, like, in their minds, too much fat or, or whatever it was. And as a personal trainer, it was my job to almost tell them, yes, you are holding too much fat, which for them, they internalise as, I'm not good enough as who I actually am. So then what they, what they end up doing is almost being on this forever diet and forever chasing this kind of perfect body that when they achieve that, that will make them lovable. And the reason why I had to leave was because so much of my life was wrapped up in if I could just do this, or if I just had that, if I had this body, if I looked this way, or, you know, I would be worthy. And, you know, this, this is why it's so important to open up these conversations and, and admit to people that, I feel insecure. I feel like parts of me are unworthy and, and not saying it in a way to try and get reassurance from anyone, 
but just as a way to almost connect us as human beings mm -hmm. and recognize that we're all experiencing some form of struggle with our identity and it doesn't make make us less than in fact it makes us more than because we're willing to you know, be courageous and vulnerable and you know open up about the things that we're struggling with yeah and i think um often you'll find as well is, is you're you're far more um the thing that what's funny is is everyone wants to be liked and the, the controversial no one wants to put the effort thing, in liking themselves yeah and the controversial thing is is that everyone wants to be liked but and I, i've experienced this in in people that i'm friends with now people that i were friends with um i have far more like to someone that is open with me and honest with me and it's, it's truly themselves and i can see that you know in their body language their their voice everything that they're saying their eye contact with everything their their whole um energy people like people far more often like that than they do when they're then with other people when they, they just change and you think oh. yeah and you're like how would, and, and in, that weren't you half hour ago before they were here yeah it's crazy because you think why are you doing that wait mm. you're a far more likable person yeah. as you are mm. people can't see that um you know people are chasing this this desire and need to be liked or loved yeah. yet they're, they're scared to be who they are out of fear of rejection but that who you are is the exact thing that will get you the love and the recognition yeah it's just crazy to me it honestly is um and I, i'm i'm probably the same like i know i have been in the past but there, there are still parts of me that you know I, I i want people to like and i'm i'm worried that if you know especially selling coaching or you know i'm essentially selling myself but you know when it comes to money and stuff like that you know all these kind of, like all my insecurities are coming up is what i'm trying to say and I, I get to choose whether my insecurities are going to stop me from actually putting myself out there and helping people or not. And the only way I can do that is if I continuously work on me liking, accepting and loving me. Mm -hmm. Because if I don't, I, I won't put myself out there. I won't help people. I won't create a, a successful business that, you know, can sustain me and, and my life and, and pay my bills. And as a result of that, I'll end up just retreating and going into a job that I don't actually want to be doing. I won't be helping people and I will feel like I have no purpose, which is the exact thing that we said that you need as a human being. Yeah. You, you need some form of purpose. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, wrapping this up. Again. <laughs> yeah. What, what would you say is the one thing that you want people to kind of take away from this conversation? Um... I think I'm just gonna. The, I don't think this is the overall general message. And again, like I'm like, oh my god, what is the message? Um, what do people want to hear? I'm actually not gonna say what people want to hear. I'm what do you want to say? say? Um, <laughs> I think personally for me, and I think this is very important. Um, important for me, and I know it'll be important for a lot of people. Is actually uncovering your identity and tuning into yourself. Um, mm. Have fun with it. Yeah. I think that's so important. Yeah, that's a good one. Right, that's something that I actually struggle with. Uh, my life is so <laughs> serious. I know. <laughs> so yes, I I absolutely relate to that one. Um, I'll take that one on board. <laughs> I I think the message that I want you to take away is, or or something to really get curious about is, just look at the parts of 
your life where you're kind of outsourcing love and acceptance and relying on other people to give you that love and acceptance and with that awareness you you will you'll you'll get a new choice you'll be able to at least try and start giving yourself that that love and acceptance or at the very least you'll start seeing yourself Mm -hmm. so we'll leave it there i mean we could talk about this for hours but we'll leave it there fortnightly you know we'll come together and we'll we'll open up uh, another conversation but I, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. Um, I'll be back doing a solo episode next week. And the week after, you'll be back. Mm. <laughs> um, I just want to say, you know, if you do have any suggestions on things that um, yeah. you want to hear spoken about, you know, if you want to hear us talk, to be honest, but um, <laughs> yeah. if you want to hear spoken about, like, you know, you want to reach out to Dan, comment on, on wherever this is posted on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Um, yeah. Private message if, if you don't want to put it out there publicly because that, that'd be quite um, yeah. cool because I think, you know, we'll be tapping into a lot of things that are immediate in our lives, but it'd be cool to talk about things that are prevalent for other people as well. Because yeah. I'm sure, Absolutely. you know, everyone can relate. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that'd be, that'd be pretty good. Yeah. So, thanks again, and we will speak to you soon.